welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the creative people of Austin, Texas. My intention is to have conversations that are meaningful, inspiring, and in-depth, with the goal of making a connection first with the person I'm interviewing, hopefully adding value to their life and career, and then sharing that content with the local community and potentially anyone in the world. Please share any feedback you have and leave me a rating and review on iTunes. That could help others find the podcast and inspire them to take a chance and give it a try. And if you're listening to this through an app on your phone, be sure to visit austinarttalk.com on your computer to get the full effect of each episode's webpage and to follow the links provided that are relevant to the guests and what we talk about. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Austin Art Talk. If you have not heard of or really know what art therapy is, you're probably not alone. But I can't think of anything on my radar right now that is not more important when it comes to thinking about how art can change people's lives for the better. My guest this week is Elizabeth Henley, the art therapist at Dell Children's Medical Center. I'm just so inspired by what Elizabeth is doing, and I want people to know about it. And so does she. Art therapy can be really powerful, and not just for kids in a hospital, but for anyone. It's hard for me to imagine, after hearing this conversation, that you would not want to share it with someone else that you care about. And I don't say that for my own benefit. Listen and learn and let me know what you think. Here is Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. Thanks for being on my podcast. No problem. I'm really excited about it. No, I'm super excited. (laughs) Um, So the reason we're here is because a good friend of mine, and I think a friend of yours, Jan Heaton, Mm -hmm. a wonderful watercolor artist here in Austin, uh, sent out an email recently about the art of giving, which Mm -hmm. happens here at the hospital. And, And I had not even considered before... When I started this podcast, I'd never even occurred to me like, oh, I should interview someone who teaches art therapy at a children's hospital. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I hadn't thought of that. But anyway, when I saw her email and then I looked a little further into it and, and I asked her, like, who should I interview at the hospital? She said you. And I was, I've just been super excited yeah, ever well, since then. I'm really honored. Yeah. Well, uh, and you've been listening to my podcast recently, right? Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be prepared, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I guess, yeah, tell me about your job here. So let me just start by saying what art therapy is for a lot of people who don't know. Um, So art therapy is primarily a mental health field, and it combines counseling and art making to help clients or patients to express themselves in a visual way. So that could be through sculpture, drawing painting, uh, collage, crafts, Mm -hmm. all kinds of different art making. And through that, they can actually process issues like trauma or, you know, cancer treatments or uh, just everyday struggles. I mean, it really is for a variety of populations as well. So I've worked not only here, but um, I've worked with kids with disabilities and developmental delays, worked with kids on the spectrum. I've also uh, worked with mentally ill adults Mm -hmm. Um, both in the acute setting and chronic settings. Um, I worked on a prison ward, (laughs) a psychiatric prison ward for a little while. So it's really an incredible intervention for a wide variety of of people. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you're an artist also yourself. Uh, Yes. Yes. I've been an artist ever since I can remember. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's go back to 
<laughs> when you can remember back to life. Oh, sure. Yeah, I used to just fill sketchbooks up with my drawings and doodles and little cartoons. And mm-hmm. um, I used to write little stories and illustrate them. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Austin. Oh, okay. Yeah, Austin and Georgetown. But, yeah. But all Austin area. So, yeah, I, I used to also make little things. One thing that really still makes me laugh today is that I used to make high-heeled shoes for myself. You know, okay. like back in my day, they didn't have the little dress-up shoes that they, yeah. they do now. Yeah. And so I would make them out of like the cardboard backing of a sketchbook. You know, I'd make the sole and then I like the little strappy things. And so I would take string and make the strappy parts. And then, you know, those black film canisters yeah. that you used to develop film with. That was way back in the day. But anyway, yeah. um, that, those were the heels, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I would make these high-heeled shoes. And, of course, they weren't functional at all. They would break as soon as I tried to put them on. But I kept making them. And I think I just really enjoyed the process of making them and maybe enjoyed the challenge of maybe trying to make them a little better next time so they wouldn't fall apart. But Who was encouraging you to do art, if anyone? Well, my mom think? is a really fantastic artist. Oh, okay. And so she – and she doesn't do a whole lot with it anymore, but um, she really encouraged that part of me. And, um, you know, we, we did paintings together. I, I know one Christmas we did a big poster for our door that, you know, had Santa and the, oh, wow. you know, Merry Christmas across it. And so, um, so yeah, she was def- definitely very encouraging of my art making. So as long as you can remember, you've just been creating things. Yes. Creating art. Yeah. And even like in an entrepreneurial kind of way too, like I, I made little rings. I would strip the uh, paper off of twist ties mm-hmm. and put beads on them and make little rings for my classmates and sell them on the, <laughs> the oh, playground wow. for a quarter. <laughs> nice. So not much has changed really since yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> I'm still kind of making my way and trying to yeah. find little odd jobs and, you know, in addition to this one. But um, so yeah, I've always loved art and I've always really had a heart for people as well so i can even remember in in third grade i made like a little advice box you know so that people could write their problems or their things that they needed advice for and this was third grade you know and i i still wanted to you know be that person that could be there for somebody that was struggling you know and so it was it's it's a strange thing to think back on because i didn't know you know what that would turn into but i know that i've always kind of befriended the outcast or Mm. the nerd or the foreign exchange student or people who just didn't quite fit into the norm um and i think not not out of purely a selfless reason but i think those people always just intrigued me and i felt Mm. like there was something special about those people who were a little different yeah and so i think that that followed me throughout my life and into my career as well yeah, it sounds like you have the perfect job now. I mean, I it do. seems like you were destined for it. I, I really was. And when I found out about it, I didn't even know art therapy existed until my sophomore year in college. Mm. I didn't really know what I was doing in college. I was majoring in art because I loved art. And I figured, well, I'll just do that until I know what yeah. I want to do. But as a requirement for this social work class that I took, because I, you know, I knew I, I really wanted to work with people somehow. And so I thought I'd give social work a try. And so um, as part of that social work class, we had to volunteer at a local facility, and I worked at Austin State Hospital Mm. once a week, and um, I plugged into the art program. Uh, There wasn't an art therapy program at that point, but there there is now, Um, but there was an art program, and so I worked with uh, mentally ill and mentally retarded adults at that time, and it was just such a blessing to be able to share my art with people who needed to be, you know, shown compassion and respect and 
um, I just thought, wow, I, I wish this were a career, you know, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? You know, <laughs> <laughs> how can I do this in yeah. some possible way? Um, and so one day this other volunteer came in and she said, um, Hey, you know, I've got all these catalogs for art therapy schools. You want to look at them? And I thought, wait, wait, what art therapy really? And so she told me about it and I thought, Oh, this is, this is exactly what I need to do. I mean, it, yeah. there was no clearer picture of of what i needed to do yeah. than that moment and um i think that's an incredible blessing as well just to know for sure you know what you're kind of destined to do yeah because i know there are a lot of people who are still wondering and struggling with that Absolutely. and um but i knew at that moment and i i took all of the psychology classes and psychopathology classes i could i pretty much majored in or i majored in studio art but i kind of minored in uh, psychology, um, not officially, but I took all the classes I possibly could so that I could meet the prerequisites for the art therapy graduate schools. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just kind of followed that path and pursued it. And um, unfortunately, there are no art therapy graduate programs in Texas. And oh, okay. so that was kind of a, uh, an obstacle for me because it had never even occurred to me to live anywhere else. Yeah, um, You know, it really, like I just had no, I couldn't wrap my mind around the thought of going anywhere and living, you know, somewhere else. Um, but my husband had traveled and lived other places and he had no problem with it. And so he said, you know, there's nothing keeping us here. We can move anywhere you need to. And this is your dream. You know, you, you are meant to do this, you know, and I, I still kind of pushed back a little and said, but we'd have to move and leave our families. And I just, I don't know if I can do that, you know, but he really encouraged me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was it was great. So we we dropped everything and moved to New York, where I mm. yeah I um, went to Hofstra University in New York, mm-hmm. and that was such an adventure. It was an amazing time for my husband and I. I mean, that it was a really great bonding experience for us to kind of go off on our own and kind of be our own selves for a little while. And um, not that we didn't miss our family terribly, but um, it was just a really good start to our marriage. We found great jobs and a great church and really amazing friends. And we really had an amazing time there. Where in New York is that school? Um, It is in Hempstead, which is on Long Island. And I lived in Westbury, which was like just 10 minutes away. Yeah. And what was different about that program or that school as opposed to what you'd already studied? Like, what did it add on to what you'd already learned? Yeah, um, it, it added a lot of counseling classes and also um, art media classes. So one of my art media classes discussed um, what kind of art materials to use with what kind of populations. Mm. So like, let's say there's a depressed person um, that you're working with, and they're using pencil very lightly in the corner and just barely, you know, drawing something. Um, You might want to expand their palette and give them some colored pencils and kind of meet them where they are, but just kind of expand that a little and help Mm. them to, you know, do a little bit more on the rest of the page. Or with a schizophrenic, you might not want to give them a lot of flowing materials, you know, or a lot of, I mean, because there's so much going on inside of a schizophrenic's mind that they may need to kind of bring that to a focused Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. activity, you know, and so we would talk about, you know, directives to give. So a directive is like an open-ended suggestion of what to draw or paint and they can take it or leave it. It's completely up to the patient, but um, that way it's not such an intimidating canvas or page, you know, they can kind of have an idea of what to do. And so we talked a lot about different directives to give different populations Mm -hmm. and what materials to use. So it was really fascinating. 
I had a lot of fun um, taking those classes, and it didn't even seem like school. You know, it yeah. was just so fascinating. Every class was, you know, kind of a new, amazing thing that we were discovering. And this whole time, you're also pursuing your own art. I would assume um, in some way. In some ways, I mean, so back then, I would say that I actually would tell people I, I must not be a real artist because I don't have this deep inner drive to create like a lot of artists do. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm just sharing my passion for art with other people. And that's fun. But, you know, maybe I should you know try to pursue it. But back then, I just felt like I must not be a real artist because I'm not really feeling that, you know, emotional drive to, to do it. But I feel in more recent years, as I've learned about more artists and interacted with a lot more artists, I, I feel like, man, you know, I, I really would like to pursue that. And I am having this deep need to create mm. lately. And so it's it's almost kind of a struggle because, you know, I'm here helping people do art, but then I really just want to get home and do my own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And so and, and, I, and it can feed off of each other, though, too. I mean, I, I can be inspired by a patient and then go create a piece, you know, based on that patient or inspired by that patient or vice versa. I could be working on something and then think, oh, I should do this with, you know, so-and-so at the hospital. Mm. Or, so it can it can be a good um, kind of piggyback, but it isn't always. You know, sometimes it's a struggle and sometimes it all gels and it's it's great. But I think more and more I'm feeling the need to be an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That That's one thought that had occurred to me. Like, could you be an art therapist and not be an artist at all and still? I mean, it's possible, but it's probably people who are not artists wouldn't have the same feeling about art or the same need to share it. Or, you know, I, th- I think that artists really get it. You know, they really get the therapeutic value mm-hmm. of art in a way that other people may not. And so I think just inherently artists know that it's important. And so yeah. those are the people that would be more likely to pursue art therapy. Yeah, And it seems like if you're seeing the results and the benefits of your art therapy with your clients, mm-hmm. then you would equate that with potentially helping yourself and your life or your family mm-hmm. too. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard to do my own art for therapeutic um, mm, okay. <laughs> reasons because I'm I'm trying to like I'm thinking about it while I'm doing it. I'm like no 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 don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> but it's but it it still works though. I mean there's still times when I try not to think about anything or express anything deep, and then something still speaks to me later. So it'll I'll have the the painting there in front of me, and then I'll realize oh that's what that means. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. And it's like so, interpreting a dream or something. Yeah, yeah, a lot like that. And so, um, and that's that's what I do with my patients. It's like you know, it really comes from them. Um, I may have my own ideas, and you know, based on my training, you know, kind of things to look for in pieces of art. Um, but really, it all comes from the patient. So a kid might, or you know, an adult in other settings, but. Since we're talking about the hospital, a kid might not set out to do something insightful or meaningful. You know, they may just be drawing a picture like Mm -hmm. a kid would, but then later see things in the picture that they think, oh, you know, this reminds me of something that I'm going through or this is my fear about this procedure I'm having tomorrow Mm. or this is the trauma that I just experienced, you know. And so art is, you know, it taps into a place that you can't really get to um, verbally. Very often, especially with kids who don't always have the vocabulary 
to discuss what they're going through. I mean, is there any chance that it could just be random what they're doing? I mean, sure, absolutely. All... Oh, it could. Absolutely, it could. Okay. It could. I mean, there and there are times when, you know, a, a painting looks particularly violent and I get, you know, concerned about that. So I might say, oh, I'm curious about this part or, you know, I never say, what is that? You know, <laughs> but, yeah. but I'll say, I'm curious about this part. And, you know, if it's if it's a violent picture, you know, of course, I'm having all these thoughts about their home life and what's going on. But then it turns out they were just playing a video game five minutes ago before mm. I came in, you know, so like a violent video game. So that's why I have to be p- careful as to what I interpret or what yeah. I think, because I, I need for it to come from them so that I know that, you know, r- really what's going on. So, yeah, sometimes it's it's just fun or random or maybe it's a craft that is supposed to look a certain way and they just make the craft. But even in those cases, it kind of gives me an excuse to be in the room with them so that they can talk to me about what's going on. Mm. So even if the art itself is not particularly insightful or meaningful, they could be telling me all kinds of really important things while they're creating. So it, it kind of gives that um, opportunity for a rapport to be built and a relationship to be built so that they trust me and they they are able to tell me things that maybe are they're struggling with or they need yeah. to talk about. I think that didn't occur to me initially when I thought about art therapy. I didn't think of the person facilitating it also being a social worker or a counselor. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that didn't, just didn't occur Yeah, to me. and I think a lot of people don't know a lot about art therapy. I mean, when I tell people what I do, a lot of people have no idea what that even means. And so, you know, I have to explain yeah. what, what it is. And then some people have kind of a general sense, but they don't really know, you know, all the different aspects of it. And so... So, yeah, I mean, you're not alone in not knowing. (laughs) I I have to explain myself a lot. (laughs) Well, it seems like the second lady, Karen Pence, is interested in spreading the word about art therapy. She visited you recently and she she has an initiative. Yeah. Maybe tell me about that. Sure. Um, So her her big cause is art therapy. And what she's trying to do is is elevate the profession to um, just make people aware that art therapy is a mental health profession. It's not just drawing or coloring with kids. You know, it's it's really something that has aspects of counseling and um, therapeutic value. And yeah, I, I was really amazed when she wanted to come here. Um, I had no idea that that was going to happen until about a week before it happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and of course, the hospital was a buzz. You know, it yeah. was really kind of an amazing experience. Um, but yeah, she she's also on the board of Tracy's Kids, which is... Is um, a program in Washington that utilizes art therapy for cancer patients, and so she she has seen it in action. She knows what it is, and she's saying all the right things. So you know, I I feel like you know her support is really valuable for our field. And of yeah. course, there are mixed feelings about it. You know, okay. depending on political leanings. Right. But I feel like anybody who's trying to elevate a profession that is so wonderful and amazing, yeah. you know, why not? I mean, you know, I think that that's that's a good. A good thing, um, regardless of what you feel politically. But and I'm so not a political person, so I yeah. <laughs> I try not to get into that, you know. But um, but she was a lovely person, and we just had a great conversation about the gallery pictures, and she got to see me work with the patient for a few minutes, mm-hmm. and um, and then we had you know a roundtable discussion with the leaders of our hospital and of Ascension, and we were able to you know just really talk about how valuable art therapy is, and so you know. I, I really got a lot of attention that I hadn't received from mm. a lot of these leaders, you know, who maybe knew about me, but didn't really understand what art therapy was. And yeah. so it was such a great opportunity for me to kind of 
help them understand what I do. And also, you know, we were on every channel in yeah. Austin. And so a lot of people got to see, wow, this this must be important, you know. So, so it was a really cool experience for me. What do you think the main goal of the initiative is? I mean, and what do you think could come out of that? Well, um, or what one, are you already seeing? Yeah, one thing that our American Art Therapy Association is really trying to promote is um, licensure in every state. So, for instance, in New York, if I had stayed in New York, I could have gotten a license to practice on my own. So I could have my private, my own private practice as an art therapist mm-hmm. without having to get my LPC. So I wouldn't have to be a licensed professional counselor. Art therapy would be enough because the the coursework is almost identical. So, but it but we're just using a different modality than an LPC. And so, um, so in New York, I would have gotten my license and been able to practice privately. But in Texas, when I moved back, um, I can work for a facility such as the hospital, but I can't hang out a shingle and have my own private practice as an art therapist only. I would have to get my LPC as well. I can't remember exactly how many states are um, licensed uh, for art therapy, but I know that that's what we're working toward is to get licensure in every state so that art therapy can be recognized as, you know, comparable, at least, to um, the LPC. So I'm, I'm hoping that that might be something that could happen. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty idealistic. I mean, I think just on the surface, I think it's just great that more people know about it, yeah. you know, and, and that people are having more respect for the profession. And, um, you know, maybe new dro- jobs will be created because I know there aren't a lot of jobs for our therapists mm. right now. Um, I had to kind of make my own job here, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so um, and a lot of art therapists do kind of have to make their own way and kind of prove what they're worth so that people will hire them to do their job. So, yeah, I think I think just the knowledge of it and, you know, the, the growing respect for the field is is huge. So at this point, it's kind of a rare thing for a hospital to have an art therapist. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it is definitely growing, and I I am part of kind of a Yahoo group that you know that where there are other pediatric art therapists around, but it's I'm the only one here that I know of um, in Austin, and um, you know we're scattered about, but it's not really all that popular even now. Hmm. I mean, the the field has been around since about the 1950s, so oh, wow. it's okay. relatively new, but still, I mean, that's you know, 70 years. (laughs) So, so, you know, but it's growing for sure. And I think, you know, I think it's just going to continue to grow. Is there someone in particular that you could attribute kind of starting the whole thing to? Is there like a famous kind of a Sure. There, there are actually two. Um, there's there's a woman named Edith Kramer, and she and this is this is a great um, time to talk about kind of the difference between art ther- art as therapy and art psychotherapy. So, mm. Edith Kramer was an art therapist that kind of founded the profession, and she believed that um, the therapeutic value of art therapy was in the act of creating. So. Um, art as therapy is it really focuses on the process, the art process, and so the feeling of the materials and the exploration of what they can do, and maybe it's relaxing or soothing. It could be cathartic, you know, if you have a trauma and you just need to get it out somehow. You know, it could be emotionally cathartic to do the art. So it's all about process. And then there's another woman named Margaret Nomberg who was um, practicing art therapy at about the same time, you know, kind of founding it and starting it. And she focused on art psychotherapy, which 
is really more about the issues that come up out of the art. So subconscious mm. issues that may be there that you might not have intended to create. But then once you look at the, the painting, you know, it's out there. She can see it. I can see it. And together we can kind of see, you know, kind of explore issues and, mm. and problems and um, just significant aspects of the painting that maybe a person wasn't thinking about before. And so it, it kind of gives that patient some insight into how they're feeling and dealing with what's going on. So that's art psychotherapy. So here at the hospital, I really love when both of those are present. I was just going to say, they sound like they... Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I will have a patient and the power of the session will just blow me away because both mm. of those things are present. So the person is relaxed and soothed and calm and loving to do the painting. And then afterward, they look at it and say, oh, my gosh, this is what this means. You know, mm. um, I, mean, I can give you an example. It's kind of hard on the radio, you know, since you can't see it. Right. <laughs> but I, I have one example of, of a beautiful, vibrant painting done by a 17-year-old who came in after a suicide attempt. Mm. And she really loved to paint. So I went to visit her and she didn't really know what to paint. And so I gave her a directive, which is kind of an open-ended suggestion of what to do, um, just so that the, the canvas isn't too intimidating. You know, yeah. they can take it or leave it, but it's just kind of an idea. And I asked her if she wanted to do to draw a tree. And um, in art therapy graduate school, we talked about the tree kind of representing uh, a sense of self and a person's ego and how strong that ego is. And so a tree could almost be like a self-portrait, um, and if it's really, you know, thick and grounded and, you know, it has nice, big, bushy leaves, you know, that might mean that a person has a really strong sense of self mm. and they're, they are grounded in their personalities and they're nurturing and want people around and, you know, but then if it's kind of small and spiky, maybe they don't, you know, necessarily want people around and maybe it, it kind of shows some aspects of their personality, you know, mm. yeah. um, just really interesting stuff, but, you know, not, it's not always you know exactly right. that but um but one other thing is when they put a hole in the tree when a person puts a hole um sometimes that could mean a significant uh point in their life like say if the tree is a timeline from the beginning or from the bottom of the tree to the top of the tree wherever they put the hole might be kind of a time where they experience something significant it doesn't oh. have to be traumatic sometimes it is but and so this girl painted this beautiful tree and then she painted a rainbow and a sun and then in the sun there were three little birds kind of silhouetted against the sun and then mm -hmm. there were two eggs in a nest in the tree it was just a beautiful vibrant painting and seemed very positive but i i asked her um, because of the, the training that I had gotten about the hole and the tree, I just asked her, I'm just curious if anything may have you know happened when you were about eight years old, because that was kind of where the hole was in the mm. timeline of the tree. And I wouldn't always ask that question, but I just felt compelled in the moment, and I felt like she trusted me enough, and we were having a really good rapport, and so yeah. I asked her that. And she almost dropped everything she had in her hand and said, how did you know? Mm. And I, I said, well, I don't know. but And then I explained to her what I just explained to you about the tree and the hole that could possibly mean something. And, yeah. and so she said, um, well, that's when my life started to go downhill. Mm. And then she looked at the painting and she started assigning meaning to everything in the painting. So the three birds that were silhouetted against the sun, she said those were three people that abandoned me and my sister at that time. Mm. And then she said that the two eggs in the nest were her and her sister. And, of course, eggs are very fragile and vulnerable. 
and especially the way that they were situated in the nest, they were just kind of teetering on the edge of it. And so I just thought, wow, you know, she felt just so vulnerable at that time. Mm -hmm. And these people abandoned her. And, And I don't know the whole story. She didn't go into the whole thing. But you could just see the wheels turning and her understanding things mm. about herself that she hadn't really put together. She didn't talk about the rainbow, but, you know, just as my as a, an art therapist, I just felt like, you know, that that to me represents hope. I feel like that she still is a really awesome kid and she's, you know, very vibrant and has a great personality and she's going to get through this, you know, and that's just kind of my hope and, and what I was feeling about that. Um, but after she created the painting and she told me all this, you know, really meaningful stuff, she, she was really affected by the power of it Mm. as well. I mean, I, I was getting goosebumps and blown away myself, even even as a person who knows that this can happen, you know, but she was also really blown away. And we talked about how maybe this is something she could use in the future, you know, when she gets really depressed and down, maybe she could do some more artwork and see if she can gain more insight and, you know, help herself through this, or maybe the next place that she goes, like if she has to go to another treatment facility, you know, ask them if they have art therapy and, you know, see if she can work through some of these things Mm -hmm. with an art therapist, because really, she just really benefited from that in a way that I was even shocked by. Um, And all I can do is hope that 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 was a tool that I gave her so that she could use in the future. You know, I never saw her again, because once they're, once they're discharged, I don't know what happens unless they come back, of course. Yeah. Um, and you don't so, ever want to see them again, right? <laughs> well, in, yeah, in we always kind of joke about that, you know, at the end of a session. Well, I hope I never see you again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, wow, that's so powerful. But yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing, and and it's not always that uh, profound. Um, but I feel like it's any time I go into a room and do art with a patient, even if it's just to alleviate their boredom while they're here, they're still doing something really productive, maybe with a family member who's struggling with them being in the hospital, you know. So I feel like no matter what, they're in the hospital and it's yeah. a difficult time. And so, you know, just bringing that light and that fun or that, you know, meaningful heavy stuff too, you know, I just feel like it could benefit any any person anywhere really yeah i was just thinking i wish we could all have art therapists. <laughs> yeah <laughs> art therapy and you do also work with the patient siblings and their parents and their mm-hmm. other family members too how does what does that look like sometimes well it, you know it depends on every different room but um you know i really try like if there are siblings there in the room i try to either engage them together with the patient. Like if, if I feel like everybody's getting along well and that it's appropriate, I'll have the the siblings do art with the patient. But if the patient, if the sibling is, you know, significantly younger and maybe, you know, the, the older patient needs their own space, you know, I might set the younger person up with, you know, some crayons or something kind of non messy so that they can kind of do their own thing while I work with the patient primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like to incorporate the parents if I feel that that's appropriate. If I feel like, again, if the relationship is good and, you know, I feel like the parent could really benefit from doing something positive with their child and vice versa. Um, I do try to incorporate that. Um, but there have been times when parents can be a little bit demanding or maybe they're looking at it as more of a school situation where, you know, the kid needs to perform for mm. the art therapist. And so I really try to model the way that I would like for it to go. So I would say, you know, well, really, this this is your piece of paper and you can do whatever you need to do on this piece of paper. You know, you have the control of this or whatever. And, and so I'll, I'll try to just kind of 
very gently kind of let the parent know, oh, really, this is this is their time. You know, it's their expression mm. and whatever they do, it's it's not it, they don't need to do a masterpiece. You know, it's or even complete it or right. Do it right. At all, Absolutely. Really. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. You know, I'm one of the only people that that the patients can say no to. So mm. sometimes even when I, you know, when I go into a room and they say, well, no, I'm really not up for it right now. That's even beneficial because they actually have the control to say, well, you know, actually, no, you know, I've already been poked and prodded and, you know, it's I, like I I'm don't a want... sovereign person. I can make decisions about my <laughs> right, fate, right. You know? And so even rejection is, you know, a good thing sometimes. And I yeah. and I tell them, you know, I'm here for you, not the other way around. So don't apologize. Like some kids are really sorry. Like they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just can't do it right now. I don't feel up to it. I'm so sorry. And I'll say, well, no, I'm I'm here for you, not the other way around. So yeah. You know, whenever you're up for it or if, if this is not something that you're interested in, that's okay too, you know. So yeah. I'm just very respectful of, you know, where they're at and what they need. And if they're not interested in art and have want nothing to do with me, that's fine too. It seems like your perceptive, empathic abilities would have to be so tuned. I mean, if you're walking into a room and you're having to assess, like, a situation and... 30 seconds or yeah, something yeah. try to like evaluate everyone's relationship and how they're getting along. Yeah. Wow. It is a really quick process. And I, I guess I just feel it. Like I can just feel it when I, as soon as I walk into the room, you know, I mean, there are, there are signals, you know, if it's, if it's dark in there, if, you know, if the parent is kind of, you know, isolated in the corner and not really interacting or, or maybe they just need a break. You know, it doesn't always mean that they're not, caring about what's going on it's just they need a little bit of rest you know and sometimes I'll ask them if they want a break so that I can work with the kid you know and mm. so um but yeah it is a really quick assessment and you know I'm not I'm not perfect at it I mean sometimes I'll go in and kind of perceive something that's not necessarily true but but then I adjust you know so yeah <clears throat> even if I'm wrong I have enough intuition to realize oh okay that's not what I need to be doing let's do this you know and so um, so it does take a lot of intuition. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes it's it's even hard to talk about what I do because, um, you know, I have interns and I have people who come and talk to me about art therapy and they might ask me, you know, how do you how do you do a certain directive or whatever? And sometimes I, I kind of have to think, well, gosh, how do I do it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's really so much in, intuition, really. Yeah, and every moment's different. Every <clears throat> right, every and every patient and every room has a different dynamic. I mean, it's just, and I think that's what I love about it. It's just the, the variety and the flexibility. And I, I guess part of it too is I, I'm kind of a perfectionist when I'm preparing for something. Mm. So if I'm preparing for something, I spend a lot of time making sure that it's exactly the way I want it to be. But with with this job, it's like I can't. I mean, I can't possibly prepare for what's going to happen. So it kind of takes the pressure mm. off a little bit because I can just kind of go in and see what's going on and, and just act on it. And it feels more free, I guess, in a way. I don't know if that makes any sense. but Yeah. And it seems um, like over the years, you'd that would have built your confidence in just being able to maybe mm. handle any situation that you get into. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And how do you personally cope with just kind of the heaviness of it all i mean do you have any good coping strategies for yourself just, uh, i mean it, that's a good question it's like who who really <laughs> wants to be here anyway in a children's right. hospital like who wants this to even be necessary yeah you know? yeah well i i do take breaks in between patients so you know sometimes if something is really heavy i'll come in and, and maybe i'll 
create a little piece of art or mm. just kind of shift gears and do something else administratively, you know, on the computer or you know, just something different for a little while. Um, and then I can I can pretty much prioritize which patients I see any, on any given night. And so, so you know, if, I, if I'm working with a cancer patient who's terminal, for instance, then, you know, the next patient could be a person with a broken arm who's going home and, you know, is going to be fine, you know. Yeah. And so... Um, I can prioritize and, and there are certain patients that I know and I know that I'm going to have fun with them. So I may start my night with them to kind of get me in the mood and start it. Or I might, you know, do that at the end so that I can look forward to that, you know? And so I kind of prioritize patients based on, you know, of course their needs first. Yeah, (laughs) right. Not all about what you want. Right, exactly. But I'm just saying, you know, there are times when I really need, you know, I need to see that patient because they're going to make me laugh, you know, so. Yeah. um, But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to be able to do your job. You can't just burn out and not be able to help anybody. Right, right, right. And I mean, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, there have been times where I have felt that way. Like, wow, I can't go out there. I just can't, mm. you know. And and there are lots of things that I can work on, you know, other than seeing patients. I mean, I have, you know, things that I do for our foundation, which is the fundraising department of our hospital. And, um, you know, I have meetings and different other things. And so I can keep myself busy. But there, you know, there have definitely been times where it's, it's really hard to go out there and, yeah. and kind of face the gravity of what's going on. I don't have a lot of experience with kids in general, mm-hmm. or especially sick kids or being in hospital. So, I mean, I definitely have my own anxiety just in thinking, like, how could I relate to this person? Mm-hmm. How could I handle the gravity of it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just thinking about you were saying when you were a kid, how you would seek out these kind of interesting and quirky different mm-hmm. kids. And, you know, I, I see like a, a theme there where you had this confidence that you could relate to these people mm-hmm. that were kind of different. Like, where do you think that came from? And yeah. you know, what, what gives you that confidence to do that? Do you think? I, th- I think, you know, I, I kind of joke about, you know, people are always telling me their life story, like on the plane, or, yeah, right. or you know, <laughs> just strangers will come up to me and start talking to me about things. And, and it gets really deep, you know, really yeah. quickly. And that, that happened all through, pretty much all through my life, you know, not only my adult life, but, you know, even as kids, I think people would tell me things that they wouldn't tell anybody else. And so I don't really know what that is. I mm. don't know if maybe I just have a face that, you know, is <laughs> easy to talk yeah. to. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess maybe they can see or sense somehow that I have compassion for all different kinds of people. I really try to treat everyone with respect yeah. and compassion. And so I think that, that maybe that's just something that people can kind of detect and yeah. they feel safe, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's always been kind of a mystery, but I felt like I should probably use it <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> yeah. in a good way. But yeah, and I, I feel like, especially in the in the prison ward when I mm. worked there, that was just a really intense scary time um you know working with patients that i knew had committed murder and all mm-hmm. kinds of horrific acts and so you know i really think i learned a lot at that point about just giving people compassion and respect it just goes such a long way mm. to healing and and i'm not saying that i healed any of those people but <clears throat> you know just being able to to be in a space with someone and take them for who they are right in that moment so, you know, in that moment, they're just a person 
struggling with life and not understanding why they did what they did. And, you know, it it just, it taught me a lot about judgment and realizing that I don't know that I wouldn't have done the same thing given that person's circumstances. If all that person ever knew was violence or abuse or whatever they Mm -hmm. went through, you know, who's to say that I wouldn't have ended up in the same situation, you know? And so I think I just learned a lot about respect and compassion and not condoning, you know, horrible things, obviously, but um, understanding that, you know, you you never know what somebody's going through or what, what could happen um, in their lives. And and just, yeah. And it's like, it's like if someone makes a mistake because of all the circumstances in their life and not having any opportunities or just the abuse that they went through, Mm. then do they deserve to be punished for that for the rest of their life and never get to be like a real person again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, the, the lessons from that time really trickled into my, you know, my daily life just, you know, I mean, of course there are always people you're going to disagree with and maybe not understand their point of view, but I just, I always really want to seek to understand, even if I don't agree, you know, I want to seek to understand that person and, and what brought them to this point and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think, you know, that's another thing I think people have responded to, in me is just I want to I want to understand you even if I don't agree you know or even yeah. if if I'm scared of you, you know? yeah. <laughs> I still want to understand what's going on you know and so it's just that curiosity and that you know feeling of you know we're all just people and so what what makes a person do something that somebody else would never do and you know I'm kind of a, a people nerd I guess <laughs> yeah well, that's, that's good a thought that just came to me was do you have any kind of like a ritual or something that you think before you walk into a room like when you have to deal with a patient like I mean it seems like you'd have to like I just imagine like trying to ground yourself or just have like an intention setting an intention mm-hmm. or something yeah um, I feel like you know Right before I go somewhere, I'm I'm always gathering the art materials that I think would be appropriate for that person. And so I think even just that simple act of getting the materials together and kind of thinking about that person and their age and what their diagnosis is and, you know, what might benefit them in that moment, even if I haven't met them, I have to kind of think about these things. Um, so I think that kind of helps me get ready. And then I just kind of take a deep breath and go, in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think about it. I don't really think about, oh, I have to do this thing before I go in. But, but you know, now that you've asked, I mean, I think just kind of getting things ready and you know, getting my materials and um, just kind of thinking about that person, yeah, and and what they might be going through, and, and just then, wanting to help them, right, yeah. right, yeah. And then sometimes I get a very different picture when I walk in the room. You know, maybe the the chart may say that they've been really depressed and, you know, not engaging with activities. And then I walk in and, you know, everything's bright and happy and yeah, I'll do some art, you know, and so and vice hmm. versa, maybe the person, you know, there's no indication in their chart that they would have any deep anxiety or issues. But then I go in and something's going on you know, mm. that really needs to be expressed. And so yeah, I, it's really hard to prepare for each yeah. situation because you just never know what's going on in each moment and especially at a hospital where you know all kinds of things could be going on you yeah. know they could have just had a really scary procedure and be totally freaked out when normally they were really calm and docile you know so yeah. or they could be in a lot of pain or... right absolutely and and art therapy is fantastic for pain management yeah I've, tell me about yeah. that that's really interesting yeah um well so at the simplest level i think that you know when you're doing something, when you're creating and you're talking to someone, it's just really easy to kind of forget about your pain or what's going on in the hospital or whatever. It can just be a matter of forgetting 
for just a little while. Um, but I did have a patient who actually had um, a condition called Chiari malformation. Mm. And um, it's a condition where it's like at the back of their skull, there's a, form- a malformation there. And so um, cerebral spinal fluid builds up in their brain mm. and it um, causes pressure. It causes a lot of pressure and headaches. And it's just really difficult to function. Um, this girl was here for a few days and I, I've known her for several years. And so I went to, to work with her. And as she was doing the art, she was hooked up to a, an IP monitor, which is uh, which measures your intracranial pressure, ICP, mm. sorry. And the monitor actually went to normal. It was high, and then she started doing art, and it went lower, and it went more toward normal. And her mom was the one who noticed and said, oh, my gosh, when she's doing artwork – her pressure goes down. And so that actually alleviated, I mean, actually physically alleviated some of her pain when the pressure went down. And so they used that in their treatment at home. So she got off of several of her narcotic medications Mm. for pain because she would just do art instead (laughs) so that it would kind of alleviate that pressure. And we don't know why it worked. The neurologist was kind of puzzled because, you know, he hadn't really experienced that before and but if it works it works and so you know they definitely use that in their their treatment at home and so um so i really believe that you know not only can it kind of make you temporarily forget in an emotional sense that you're in pain but also it actually physiologically works it for some patients i mean that that was probably kind of a rare case but still i mean if if it works for anybody i want to find out (laughs) who that is and do it you know so Wow, this is so amazing. I mean, I cannot believe <laughs> that I didn't know about this and that it's not more widespread. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like a lot of times it is very lighthearted and fun. And so that's what people see the most. I mean, you don't want to bring a volunteer or a, an observer into a really deep, heavy session, you know, when somebody's really struggling with something. And so people don't get to see that. Mm. Um, what they what they're allowed to see, what they can see is the fun, lighthearted, you know, yay, we're doing art, you know, and and that's valuable, too. I'm not saying that that's not you know valuable, but I think people kind of see it as more of a fun, playful, happy thing that I'm doing, which it is. Yeah. But, you know, there's this other side of it that's just so powerful. And I think that people just don't always see that and don't really understand or know about it. And so that's. That's really what I want to kind of bring to the surface for people, you know, and and let them know, you know, yeah, it really is pretty powerful sometimes. Not every single moment, you know, sometimes it's just fun, but sometimes it's really a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Life-changing. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) I mean, what is just living a life of service, it seems like to me? Like, how does that enhance your own life, your personal life, helping people so much? Well, now you're making me sound like a saint. I really don't feel like that. <laughs> well, I think you are. I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's that's a really tough question. I mean, I just, I really love people. And, you know, of course, I love my family. And, you know, I think that, I, I hope, you know, I, I know my husband's really proud of me and what I do. And that makes me feel great. You know, but it, I think it... 
to be really honest, you know, sometimes it is it is draining at times. You know, I can't always be, you know. How could it not be? Right, I mean, right, yeah. yeah. And so, and I have other jobs. Like I, I teach kindergarten classes at my children's school. It's just mm. it's an elective, so it's just an hour two t- two times a week. But you know, they're kindergartners, and it's art, and so it gets a little crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I'm sure. And so, I mean, I do get frustrated, and I do get you know burnout at, at times. You know, so I'm I'm certainly not. <laughs> you know, a perfect, you know, servant in any form or fashion. But I do, I do feel really rewarded by the work that I do. And I I love to see when it works, you know, when somebody really comes away from it changed, or, you know, they didn't know they were an artist. And now they're, you know, creating all these masterpieces and feeling self esteem that they never felt before. I mean, all of that is just incredibly, really, actually, it's humbling. Yeah. More, more than I mean, it's rewarding, but it's also humbling because how could I just this little person impact this person in such a way? And it's really just the the art, you know, the the power of the art just really takes over in some of those cases. And you know, like with the girl with the tree, I mean, I couldn't have orchestrated that. You know, that happened because she created an art piece that really meant something to her, mm-hmm. and I was just there to facilitate it. You know, so I don't I don't take too much credit for all of this. I mean, I think it's it's really just more about the process and the art and what people need. And if I get to be a part of that, that's just, that's an honor. You know? Yeah. But I mean, you did go to school for many, many years to learn how to do all this and your help facilitating it. Mm. I mean, it's really, you're making it happen. It wouldn't happen without you, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was doing some research online and reading some articles that are on like the hospital's website. They were talking about how art therapy helps bring out internal emotion into the external world, allowing people or kids to express their inner feelings. I kind of almost feel like that's the root of all our problems, not being Mm -hmm. able to express what's inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about like when people say that they're not creative at all Mm -hmm. and they don't have any kind of outlet like that. I just feel like so many people have so many things that are bottled up and I just feel like that manifests in a lot of negative ways. And I just wonder like, it's like, how can you get more people to do art to not have the fear of doing it? Or I kind of another question along with that, that I had like, what can parents or adults do to help themselves or their children with art therapy just in their daily life. Yeah, I think I think just being willing to explore art materials and you know, and maybe make a mess, you know, like I think a lot of parents are afraid to make a big mess, you know, and there are ways, you know, you can cover your table, you can cover yeah. <laughs> surfaces so that you yeah. can just wrap it up and throw it away, you know. And so I think just kind of letting go of that Perfectionism. Perfectionism and also that feeling that, oh, I can't do that. That's not my thing. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people are told at an early age, oh, you know, that's not something that you should pursue or, you know, you're not really a good artist or whatever. And so people just stop creating. And I think that's a really real mistake because I think that, you know, even if it's not a masterpiece, it's still fun. It's still relaxing. You know, I think that's part of why these art therapy coloring books are so popular now is that, you know, people like to just sit and do something that is, I shouldn't say mindless, but something that they don't have to really like think about you know intensely you know they can just relax and decide on colors and make something beautiful you know and so i think that just letting go of that inner critic and especially with kids you know if you have kids and they want to do art just let them you know (laughs) don't worry so much about the mess and just help them to 
you know, contain it, but also help them to express what they need to express and have a playful attitude about it because it really is valuable. And it's the way that they express themselves just in a very naturally, you know, I mean, that's why it works so well here at the hospitals that, you know, the, the kids already create art probably in their daily lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's a non-threatening familiar way to get them to kind of engage and start talking about things. And so, or not talk about things they can choose not to, but at least they're still doing the art and getting it out somehow. So yeah, I just, I would encourage people. And also when people say that they're not creative, I always say, well, it doesn't have to be art. You know, it doesn't have to be visual art. I mean, you can be creative in lots of ways. You know, there's music, there's drama, there's cooking, there's gardening. I mean, there are things that you could do that i mean i think everybody is is meant to create yeah you know? absolutely and so i mean on some level and so i feel like you know maybe you're not an artist but maybe you're an awesome gardener and you have a beautiful landscape outside of your house you know mm-hmm. i mean um you know it doesn't have to be art necessarily yeah you a know? painting yeah, yeah yeah so everybody's creative in some way yeah so how do you, if at all, incorporate what you know as far as art therapy goes into just raising your own kids and in your family with your husband? Mm-hmm. I think just, I mean, first and foremost, I think, you know, just the love and compassion and respect part that I was talking about earlier, you know, I think that definitely plays a huge role in our family. I have two kids, a 12-year-old boy and 11-year-old girl. Um, I feel like, you know, I just, I always want to encourage them to express themselves and whether that's in art or music or theater they're they're both in theater right now and just mm-hmm. loving it and so i just really want to encourage that in them you know whatever their passion is what whatever their creative outlet is absolutely pursue that in whatever way that you you know need to um and i don't pressure them to you know to do art you know they they do love art and i think my daughter especially is is pretty talented you know with her her drawings for school she doodles and and does different things like if she sees me working on something she might want to try it out yeah. you know and so she she dabbles in a lot of different art things and and she doesn't say craft it's D- diy it's always diy oh, okay. things you know <laughs> that's the cool term to, oh, okay. for crafts these know. days <laughs> um but so she's she's really into a lot of different things and i think kind of takes after me in that way and my son is really more interested in um comics and you know kind of comic book characters and and drawing in those ways but he's also really talented you know like for school he'll do you know drawings for for different projects and you know i I don't want to since i'm so involved in art in every aspect of my life i don't want them to feel like i'm expecting them to be good at art or do art all the time but i do really want to encourage them in whatever ways they're developing and seeing you know what they're good at or what they love and what they enjoy to do i I always just really want them to to pursue yeah those things it's interesting because a lot of artists i've interviewed they'll get the opposite feedback growing up you know about the you know you're going to be a starving artist they're not encouraged to be artists (laughs) because they want their parents want them to you know in the way that they imagine be successful in some other way right yeah you know i kind of got 
both sides of that. My, my mom was really encouraging with my art growing up. And then my dad was fine with it. But I think when I went to college, he, he said, okay, so what are you going to do with your studio art degree? I mean, let's be practical here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And, and I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't know what I did want to do. And so, uh, but, but I think that he was patient and he, he trusted me to kind of figure it out. And yeah. so I think that that's what I want to do for my kids. I mean, of course I want them to be successful, but I also want to kind of trust that they'll kind of figure it out. And maybe, you know, if if my son pursues theater, maybe he won't be a huge actor, but he might be able to incorporate that into his life somehow, you know. Um, And maybe he will be a great actor. Who knows? You know, so I don't want to I don't want to be the one to say, oh, you know, that's too hard or that's too competitive or, you know, I, I want them to pursue whatever they need to and then they'll figure it out they'll figure out what's possible and what their limits are and you know i think that's really important to just kind of give them some choices and and let them kind of (laughs) fly yeah yeah are there any kind of basic ideas or techniques that you could share that a parent could use in a challenging situation with their child if they're acting up or i mean i'm just trying to imagine like some kind of like if a parent who has kids your age or younger could come away with some kind of a like a an idea or a tool for incorporating art into having a better relationship with their kids or dealing with behavioral problems or something Mm. like that. Is there any way to simplify that in a way that would be kind of like helpful? Um, I mean, there are so many different materials, but I I would definitely encourage people to get some model magic. Okay. (laughs) Model magic is this clay type material. It's, it's so much better than Play-Doh because it's, it doesn't crumble um, it does dry in the, you know, it air dries, but it's just a really simple, squishy, satisfying material. And I have found that it's helpful for people who are stressed out. It's almost like a stress ball. You know, you mm. squish it around and stretch it and break it and squish it again, you know. And so it could be, you know, just a real sensory type experience. Or you could make little, you know, figures or little fun things. And I, I've noticed that here at the hospital, that has been a huge success with large families. So if there are a lot of people in the room and I kind of want to engage all of them at once, I'll just give them all a little piece of model magic. And then they make these little amazing little figures, you know, for their child or with yeah. their child. And so it's just kind of this, it is kind of magic, you know, it just kind of bonds people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so, so, you know, just, it's just kind of a quick, Hey, let's do this, you know, to, to make you feel more relaxed or, you know, let's do this for fun or, you know, it's got lots of different, you know, if you don't want to make a mess, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of parents are like, I just don't want to make a mess right now, you know, yeah. but this is so not messy. It's just white. Well, it comes in different colors, but, um, but even those, I mean, it just, it doesn't get everywhere or make a huge mess. So. It's good stuff. Okay. <laughs> but also, I mean, drawing is is a great way to kind of get to somebody's feelings or get to somebody's thoughts. You know, if there's a quiet time where you can just, you know, encourage a kid to, to draw something and, and just ask them to tell you about it. You know, you don't even have to say, you know, what is that or what does that mean or, you know, those, those kind of questions. Just, you know, I'm curious about that. Tell me, you know, what's going on, you know, and I think that 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 could be a really good way to, you know, just build that rapport with your child and, and to talk to them about things without, you know, it's just a really non-threatening way to ask what's going on. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like you were mentioning 
that you had listened to one of my earlier interviews and it kind of motivated you to approach a piece that you hadn't touched in, you said, years. Yeah. Like, what do you think? That was what amazing. did you hear in that episode or what, what triggered for you? I'm just wondering in general, like I come across people all the time who are stuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, what do you think got you unstuck or what might give someone the courage to do what you're saying just to kind of play and experiment and not be so perfectionist about it you know like yeah well so this painting that that i started i started um it was actually after this fundraising event that we have called art of giving i had this extra canvas that i had i had bought for the event because i was afraid that we didn't have enough (laughs) canvases and so so it was my canvas and i thought well you know it's it's a three foot by three foot canvas and i never work that big yeah but i'm just gonna attack it i'm just gonna do it you know and so i just put colors on it you know just reds and blues and greens and just you know just did it um but then it sat there for months and I just – I didn't know what to do with it. I did some uh, printmaking on the piece. And so I, I used bubble wrap. Oh, cool. <laughs> like different uh, sizes of bubble wrap. And I, I put paint on them and I, I printed on the canvas. And I really love the effects that that had. But then what? You know, it wasn't really finished. And so mm-hmm. then it sat there for another, you know, many months. Um, and then last year at our fundraiser called Art Order of Giving, there's an artist named Jana Salmon who does these really whimsical, fun – pieces where she just does like a a crazy fun background with vibrant colors and um, oil pastels and paint and it's just really awesome and then she'll go back into it and kind of block out some of the parts of it so that kind of an animal or a person or something will emerge so that the animal is you know colorful like the background was but then all around it is just like a a solid color so um, and so I thought, well, maybe that's what I should do. Maybe, maybe I should go back to the painting and, you know, look at the parts that I liked about it and then just kind of make an animal be there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I tried that and it just, it, it wasn't me. I just, it, I ended up doing like a bird and a flower and it just kind of looked like, I mean, it was cute and whimsical and kid-like and, and that's it was it was okay, but it just wasn't what I wanted, you know. And so it sat there again for another year. And so then I started listening to this podcast. We were talking to two printmakers, yeah, and they were talking about printmaking and how amazing it is. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I was just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just really getting inspired by all the things that they were saying. I mean, I can't really pinpoint one particular okay. thing they said, but. Just the whole thought of printmaking and kind of deciding what you like about something and just, I don't know, it just, it spoke to me. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I need to go home and I, I need to finish that painting. I just happened to have these, uh, like, big circles. They, they were embroidery circles. And I, I had bought those for a completely separate project. I'm not an embroiderer or anything, but I just, I had another project that I was trying to do and I yeah. scrapped it. But so I had these circles and I thought, what if I just circle the stuff about this painting that I like, like the, the printmaking elements that I really, that really stood out to me and I can cover up the crap that I don't like, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so then, you know, so I just circled everything that I liked with these, you know, traced circles with these embroidery uh, hoops and I really liked it. I thought, okay, so then I'll block everything else out and just have the elements that I like. And I, and I chose the circle because I, I realized that I have a lot of circles in my other works and I feel like circles – well, actually, in, in graduate school, we talked about, like, mandalas, which are just mm-hmm. basically circles, and how they can kind of really focus you and, and help you to just, 
you know, circles are so symbolic in so many different cultures and in so many different ways yeah. and, and the planets or spheres and, you know, there's just circles all around us. So I use circles mainly for the simplicity of it, but also I feel like they are kind of soothing and focused and relaxing. And so I did that and then it still wasn't finished. So I did it again. I put more circles on top and blocked that out. And I was just so into that painting. I mean, I, I finished it in like two days after you know, two and a half or three years oh, of wow. it just being sit, just sitting there, you know? Yeah. And so I just, I really, I was so thankful to your podcast for, for giving me that inspiration, but also like now I kind of have this thing that I'm doing now. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> because as, as an art therapist, you know, I have to be pretty well versed in all different kinds of media and different, uh, techniques and yeah and i kind of go through phases as an artist at one point i might really be into collage and then i'll be into painting or maybe i'll do jewelry making for a while or you know i just kind of switch my focus every few months or whatever and so um but as i've gotten more involved with other artists and their processes and kind of having that deeper need to to do art i feel like i need kind of a a thing, a niche, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that's kind of how artists become successful is they kind of just focus on one thing so that people know what to expect from them and, you know, collectors and people know, okay, it, this is a Janice Salmon work. You know, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. And so I feel like I just needed kind of a, a thing. And so, so this painting kind of gave me that because I, I actually enjoy every pro- part of the process. Like in other paintings or other um, different ways of, of making art, I feel like there was always part of the process that was a little bit tedious that I, I would never follow through or mm-hmm. um, or I couldn't get the idea for it. Or, you know, there were just always obstacles that I couldn't quite get over. But this one, you know, I can just start on a canvas and do whatever I want. I can print make. I can scribble. I can do whatever, you know, I feel like in the moment. And then later I can decide which bits I like and which I don't mm-hmm. and kind of cover it up and make Make my little circle painting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's like, you know, it's nothing like genius or anything, but it's just something that I can kind of play with it's and explore. Yeah. 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 So I, maybe it won't go anywhere, but it's something I'm doing, you know, and, and trying out for a while. I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick with it for a while and see kind of where it goes, you know. Very nice. So, so, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so... If someone's listening to this before the event happens, I guess, um, they could still uh, participate potentially. But uh, tell me about the art of giving a little bit more and when that's happening soon. Yeah, it's it's very soon. It's on April 8th. It's on a Sunday this year. Um, It's from 10 to 3. It's kind of a come and go event. And so people can just come for an hour or come for several. But um, so Art of Giving started in, I believe, 2012. So this will be our sixth year to do Mm -hmm. it. You know, the the backstory is kind of interesting because in 2012, we, we were asked as the expressive therapies team. So there was a play therapist, a music therapist, and myself, and we gave a presentation to the Children's Trust, which is, um, I think I mentioned it before, but the Children's Trust is a group of young families with kids who support the hospital. And I think that they pool their resources every year and vote on different programs that they would like like to support and vote on those things. And so one time we were asked to do this presentation about expressive therapies to the Children's Trust as a kind of a lunch and learn. And we really 
uh, did our best to make it the most powerful presentation that we possibly could okay. because we really wanted them to understand that this was not just coloring. This was not just singing or playing. You know, some of this is really, really powerful and meaningful, and we need this in our hospital. We don't lose it. So, you know, we gave them really heart-wrenching stories. We gave them really powerful, positive stories. There wasn't a dry eye in the room after we were done. It, yeah. was, it was really awesome. But there, there was one couple in particular that really wanted to support us. And the man of the couple um, is a CEO of a, a an airplane engine company. Yeah. And he had just moved into a big building with blank walls. And he said, wouldn't it be great if I had, like, uh, artwork done by patients at Dell Children's Hospital? And, and I could, you know, give a donation and have, you know, this artwork on our walls. <laughs> and, you know, all of us were kind of thinking, uh, it's not really ethical to start asking patients to crank out artwork for money. <laughs> you know, like, that that's not going to happen, you know. Right. But we didn't want to say no to his money. So what we tried to figure out as a team, you know, we met with the foundation and the expressive therapies team and the child life department. And we all kind of decided what if we had an annual event where we were very transparent about fundraising for the hospital. And everyone who comes can do a collaborative piece of art together so that nobody feels like they're giving away their own personal piece of precious art. You know, it's just all collaborative so that, you know, everybody's contributing to a bigger piece. And it's actually sponsored ahead of time by companies like this man's company. Um, So big companies and individual donors also can sponsor the event ahead of time. And then the, the paintings are kind of like a thank you you back to the sponsors Mm. and so that way everybody knows it's for the hospital nobody has to pay for it i mean the the sponsors do but the people who participate can just come in and create art and have fun and and know that it's for a good cause and they can work alongside patients who are here so we invite the patients past patients and um, kids from the community Mm -hmm. and a lot of those kids are children's trust members kids or staff members kids but it's also open to um, the community. We, we try to keep it a little bit on the down low just because, you know, we have a small auditorium and it's not, you know, <laughs> equipped for a thousand people. But yeah, um, but yeah, we have a really nice flow of people. But what's interesting about that, those first couple of years is that I, I pretty much set up all the stations, the art stations by myself. So I would just, you know, there were a lot of company logos that, that they wanted to, to have. And so um, I would set the canvases up with a template of the logo and have them have the kids like sponge paint or do a collage or you know mm-hmm. just kind of set all of them all of them up for success. And I had volunteers to help facilitate those stations. But those first two years, you know, it was it was pretty hard for me just as one person to kind of put all this together. I mean, of course, the the foundation helped get all the sponsorships, and that's kind of their part. Yeah. But the art part was all me, and so it was pretty stressful those first couple of years. But the second year, Jan Heaton, uh, who's a wonderful watercolorist here in Austin, she came um, because she was invited by her daughter, who was a Children's Trust member. So we asked her to facilitate one of the stations with her watercolor work. And when she arrived, she started setting up her materials and she said, oh, I thought there were other um, local artists that were going to be here. And I just thought, oh, that would be such a great idea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to include other local artists, you know. Yeah. And um, and so I said, you know, that is that is a great idea. I think I might use that next year because I, I, you're the only one this year. 
but, you know, maybe we could have other people participate in that way. And she said, oh, yeah, I know so many people that would love to do this. Mm. And so really, Jan Heaton was the, the one who helped me get a lot of the artists who still participate today. You know, I, I pitched this idea to the foundation who helps me with this event. And they said, well, do you think you might be able to get like maybe four or five artists for next year to participate? And I said, oh, I, I really would like 10 or 12. I mean, I don't want to have to set up all these yeah. <laughs> canvases yeah. by myself anymore. And this is the perfect idea because, you know, each each artist has their own style, their own vision. They can facilitate it the best way, you know, instead of me running around trying to make sure everything's going well, they can have their own, you know, station. And then the work at the end is so much more professional and polished, you know, because they they certainly work with the kids and the, the kids are creating it with the artist. But then the artist kind of helps finish it off and makes it more polished and makes it kind of their a little bit of their style as well. And so really, it, it ends up being this masterpiece that the sponsors are thrilled to get, you know. And so that first year that we incorporated the local artists, we had 12 people, 12 artists that were willing to give up their entire day and and their time and their talent and participate with the kids. And so it was just an incredible success. And it's just gotten better and better every year. And there's always about 12. It's really interesting because, you know, people have been added since then, but then other people might have a wedding or you know yeah. something that they can't do it that day. And so we had 12 the next year and then 12 the next year, and, you know, even though my list of people is growing. And so this year, I think we're actually having 14. So it's a little bit bigger. But yeah, people, the, the artists love it because they love interacting with the kids in this way. Oh, sure. And the hospital benefits, of course, you know, with the sponsorships and the sponsors benefit because they get these amazing pieces of art. So everybody wins. I, I call it a win, win, win. Because really everybody who's involved, you know, gets some amazing benefit from it. So yeah, it's it's just an incredible event. And following that event, we have what's called a giver gallery. That's where all the finished pieces from Art of Giving are actually hung in a beautiful gallery called the Russell Collection Gallery on 6th Street. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a beautiful space and all the pieces are finished on the walls. And so we have this event where the sponsors and the artists and the staff from the foundation, of course, I go, we all celebrate the artwork and get to see it in its final uh, state. And the sponsors get to meet the artist who created the work that they're going to get. Yeah. And so it's really great for, the, you know, making those connections. You know, the artists get to meet these sponsors and sometimes they get commission work from it. And oh, then, the, nice. and then of course, the gallery gets a lot of traffic, you know, in, at that point. And so that's a win-win-win as well. And we always invite a patient and their family to just speak in the middle of that event, just to kind of bring it back to why we're there yeah. and really talk about you know, the power of art therapy. And even though art of giving is not necessarily, you know, art therapy, it's it's a celebration of art therapy. It's a celebration of the power of art. And, you know, powerful things happen anyway, you know, right. dur- during, I mean, you can't help but have some powerful moments anyway, during a, a celebration like that. And so the, the patients, uh, or the patient and their family come and, and speak about that. And, um, there was this one little girl that I had known for years. She came into the hospital when she was five, and um, she had brain cancer, actually. And mm. But she was just such a vibrant, sweet little girl, and she just loved art. And so really for her, it was just a way to kind of not have to think about 
what she was going through because it was just so heavy. And so really the art was more of a lighthearted, fun, happy time for her Mm -hmm. and her family. And so I invited her to come to the Giver Gallery and they spoke about that. And by the time the Giver Gallery that year had happened, she was, um, I believe, eight years old, almost nine. And um, she had been cancer free for a year Mm. and she had, you know, continued to make art and she continues to love art. and, And she was really honored to be, you know, there at the, at the gallery and, um, and her family is just so thankful for the opportunity to have been there and, and to see, you know, how much we've grown and yeah. and done with our art therapy program. So That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for everything you do. Well, thank you. I'm, um, I'm really happy to, to talk about it. I'm always happy to talk about it. But, you know, this is a way that people can really understand it better and, you know, really have a glimpse into what it's really like, you know. So I, I really thank you. Yeah. And if... <laughs> people listening want to do something more to help in any way like what kind of options do they have as far as maybe the art of giving or even beyond that just being involved with the hospital or helping you sure Is there um, anything well so you know we have our dell children's website there are opportunities for donations i'm sure there's a donation tab um, if anybody wants to donate uh, money or supplies. We we have a child life program, which I don't know if I talked about child life very much. Probably a lot of people aren't familiar with that. But the child life department is a group of child life specialists who have child development backgrounds who really help the kids to normalize their experience and to do distractions during procedures and explain diagnoses on a kid-friendly level. And, and so that's the, the department that I'm under. Of course, my role is a lot different than child life, but um, I'm under that department. And so um, the Child Life Department receives donations pretty regularly. And so if people want to donate, you know, toys or, you know, new art supplies. Is there any way that people can be more involved at the hospital itself? Or is that even an option? Yeah, um, there is an al- also a, a volunteer, you know, lots of volunteer opportunities. Okay. Um, and so you would go on the website and, you know, just click on volunteer opportunities. And there's a there's a space there if you feel like you need to come here and actually, you know, be with the patients. And, you know, there's there's a pretty robust volunteer program here. Okay. So, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. I know you could probably be out working with someone right now. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely wanted to spread the word and dig into what you do and understand it. And it's really wonderful. And I'm so glad that we had our conversation. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues and consider giving it a review on iTunes. That could help others find it and motivate them to give it a try. At austinarttalk.com, you can visit each episode's webpage to find links related to the relevant and interesting people, places, and things mentioned by each guest. And thanks to those who have reached out with encouragement and positive feedback. I really appreciate it. All the best to you and take care.